Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Excuse me, is that your nose or did a bus park on your face? I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. Pompous. Duck up. Snot nose. Houston, we have a problem. Welcome, everybody, to the Overshare podcast. We are very, very pleased to have you here. Miss Ann Todd, how are you this evening? I am just ducky. I'm just back from Vegas. Nobody says that. I say that just now. <laughs> uh, I'm back from Vegas. I'm tanned for those people that can't see me, which is all of you. Thank God. You me. have uh, some sort of a life goal revolving around tanning, as I understand it. My tanning goal, my annual tanning goal, is uh, a tone that I refer to as Nubian Princess. Nice. It is kind of a stretch. Yeah, One might a, say beyond the pale from me. It's a bit of a reach. It is, but I, you know, it's important to have a big dream, yeah. so I do. And so I'm working on that. I'm also very unhappy to be off the margarita drip that I had kind of nice. installed during my time. Yeah. And I spent time in that before that in Southern California, kind of going, oh, so you have a pool in your backyard. I see why this doesn't suck, apart from the traffic. Uh, LA? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I, I have a fantasy also about a Nubian princess in Las Vegas, <laughs> but Chris, Chris is much less pleased about that as a, as a generic idea. Los Angeles, I mean, you can't say enough nice things about Los Angeles. The weather is fantastic. The fish tacos are delicious. The sunshine is great. Guacamole, delicious. Right. And Margarita is yummy. And, and the weather is also good. So, uh, I mean, really beyond those things, what else is there to say about Los Angeles? I mean, it's just amazing. As a brunette, it's tough for me there culturally, but you know, I do what I can. Yeah, there's nothing that couldn't be solved with a suitable breast enlargement. Um, or a polo mallet. Or a polo. I don't even know what that means. I will take down the blondes. Ah, oh, there you go. Sorry, you're going to go all Tonya Harding it's, it's on not defla- ass. I'm not deflating anything <laughs> I didn't even with my what? polo mallet, well, which I could, could, I suppose. You could. You could go around leveling the playing field. Literally. One, one pair at a time. Yeah. I don't Maybe think that's unreasonable. Time. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Can anyway, you carry on a polo mallet? I'll have to look into that. I would imagine you have to stow that. Website. No, I think you'd be stowing that. I'll probably wear a stow it. <laughs> Excuse me, man. Would you bend over? Uh, At any rate, so well, those were my travels. I, I think in, in under two minutes, we've already <laughs> said so much that's been too much. We probably don't even need to go on. But let's we go on. <laughs> we have peaked early. <laughs> Let us go on regardless. This week, we are talking about In Memoriam. Very serious mode, very serious face right now. And see. <laughs> These are things that have uh, are sadly no longer with us. Rest some in of them, peace. Some of them not so sadly. Uh, but uh, things that have finished up at the end of the main season uh, this year and will sadly not be returning this coming fall season. So let's have a look at what we got there. What, what would you put on the, on the top of your list? The, the thing that you think got uh, shit canned? Uh, unfairly or fairly? Unfairly. That, unfairly. That, that you think should most definitely have come back for a, a another round. Well, this is a tricky category for me. I have a lot of thoughts. Because, you know, I, I tend to like TV that makes it straight to the bottom. So I don't skew to, I guess, the sort of mainstream rating tastes. Uh, it's always a, a series for, it's always a case for me when a series starts that I'm afraid to get attached because I feel like it's going to get yanked out. Yep. Um, so there were several that I think got canceled. I already talked about Bent, which wouldn't be top of my list, but I talked about that, so I won't repeat that. But I thought that series had some promise. Yeah. Uh, I was a fan of Awake. So tell me how this works. I close my eyes. I open them. Same as you. Let's just start at the beginning. Did she start redecorating the house after the accident? Right after the funeral. And then what? I wake up. And this has been happening since the accident? Yeah. We come up with all sorts of ways to get through the loss of a loved one. But your mind, it simply created an entire reality where your wife survived in one and your son in the other. But you have different cases in each. The cab driver gets shot. Witnesses. Different partners in each. Kidnapper takes the girl into Waverly Park a lot by the docks. Detective Britton, it's expected that these sorts of details will begin to cross over. 611, Waverly. Why are we here? I had a dream about it. Or I'm having a dream. Meaning you can't tell whether you're awake or asleep at this very moment. I'm awake with my wife and I close my eyes, I open them. I'm awake with my son. 
Well, I can assure you, Detective Britton, this is not a dream. What? It's exactly what the other show. Uh, this made it through a whole season. Mm -hmm. It's had yet another foreign actor playing an American with a pretty marginal accent. Yeah, agreed. Oh, goodness. Not like House at the beginning, but which I felt like was bad. And he, he did get better. Hugh Laurie got better. Yeah. But it was you were never going to make the mistake of thinking, oh, is he American? Is he? Uh, That's no. not true. I know plenty of Americans who still hear him get up at award ceremonies and go, wait. Really? What? Yeah, I kid you not. It's like, he's wait, he's got an English accent? What's that all about? Is he being funny right now? Well, I know a lot of English that wanted to take one with Paltrow. Yeah. You know, because of Emma and Sliding Doors. Yeah. And they thought she was English. She did a good job. And Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, she's put a lot of She's pasty and anemic enough to be English. Right, it works. She's got that blue-white skin. Yeah, exactly right. So I think and they the, can... no personality. Aww. See? Hurtful. That's just hurtful. Even though she's blonde and thin, I kind of like her. Really? Although, now that she's started Goop, she's a little self-righteous. Mary Rockstar. Started a website. I don't know. I am not jealous. I'm jealous of her body weight and height. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> I mean, I liked her in uh, Iron Man. I was, I was happy to see her in Iron Man. Yeah, but she lifts right out of that, too. They don't give her much. Pepper Potts does not have a lot to do. Her arc as a character is not huge. That's true, but she could still ruin the movie. Yeah, she could. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, goodness. So I would say Awake. Awake was a weird show for a it network. Was. It was a weird show for NBC, which usually... And it was... Let's give NBC a minimal props for actually showing all the episodes that were likely filmed, which is not their typical thing. Yeah, And sure. not pulling it immediately and running it, like, on Saturday nights every fifth week for a while and yeah. then running it out. Like, they didn't do that, which they did with so many things. Yeah. They don't seem to have the courage of their convictions. You know, they're sponsoring yeah, yeah. original TV and they're going, why doesn't anybody like it? And yeah. they don't give things time to feet, find their feet. So Wake was ambitious. It was sometimes a little too joyless. So it was a little bit of hard work sometimes to watch it. But the idea was an idea of a detective who get, um, is a, gets in a terrible accent and either his wife or his son have died. And he doesn't know which because he yep. sort of shorts between these two worlds. So he yep. goes to sleep. He goes to sleep and he wakes up and he's with his wife. He goes to sleep and he wakes up and he's with his son. And he it's sort of his... Um, I was the, amazed he wasn't more sleep deprived. Right. Given he's always awake. It's not good for your mental health. And they went down a rabbit hole with this, right? Yeah. Uh, so I thought Awake was good. Did you watch it? I did watch it. All I did. It? I didn't. Yes, and I did enjoy it. I I think you're right. I think it was a little earnest yeah. sometimes in terms of, and I understand why. I mean, it was taking itself pretty seriously. But when they did those funny moments, like the penguins and stuff, that was great. Yeah. It just it so, didn't derail it. it so worked. to what would you attribute the cause of death? Uh, too smart, too ambitious. Yeah. Um. Also, I think people... Would it have worked on a cable network, do you think? Possibly, yes. The only thing, too, I think that people thought is, how does that become a show? How is that just not a one-season thing? Yeah. Where do you take that? Yeah. And I thought the resolution, well, there were a lot of different ways you could interpret it, but they could have had a second season in it. But I don't think that's a sustainable model. He can't just... It's sort of like Cougar Town. They can't stay in that place in their life forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like people said they should rename it. It's like its name was what it was for part of a season. I don't watch it, but I've read a fair amount about it and heard about it. Uh, but, you know, like I, I think people thought, I don't know what they're going to do with this. It can't possibly work. So they didn't even give it a chance. Come on. Friends stayed in the same late 20s for 12 years. It works better with cartoons. Right? You know the Friends wasn't a cartoon, right? Just you know the, the Simpsons, like, you know, Bart yeah. never needs to get old. That's He'll true. He'll never get old and never die. That's very true. Um, I mean, not unless they want him to, like, if you like Kenny on that. Those <laughs> <laughs> bastards killed Kenny. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so... So that was a sad one for me. Yeah. What, what about you? Uh, look, I don't know that I cried long and hard over any of the shows. I was a little sad to see Alcatraz go. Alcatraz, I really enjoyed, and I loved the end of that season. That yeah. was a great season finale cliffhanger. It's such a bummer that they yeah. they didn't renew it. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, I was for me, it was just, it was, I mean, it's JJ doing JJ and this sort of the invariable black box. Yeah. Uh, Sci-fi procedural, supernatural. All, all jammed up together, but not so offensive that you, you know, not another Lost. And, and I know Lost was Lost, and it's, yeah. it sits by itself in the sort of pantheon of yes. television viewing. But Sam Neill, another terrible American accent. Mm, yeah. Just make up something to let him be his own, you know, yeah. let him be Australian. Let yeah. him just be that guy. That was, that was problematic to me and distracting initially. Agreed. I totally agree. But but for, uh, for a show, I thought they uh, answered 
as many questions as they were asking, which I think is always good. Not yeah. always the same questions, but always answering questions to, to let each episode evolve somewhat. And give people some satisfaction. Right. right, which is one of the things where we sort of lost it a little bit with Lost in the sort of middle series. You just, you're still asking questions and every week you promise to resolve them and you never do. Um, we have to go back. We have to go back. Um, so that was, for me, I mean, apart from Sam Neill's accent, I thought the actual... The blonde girl. What did you think of her at the lead? I don't think she was a standout. Agreed. I don't, I don't, there was nothing there that makes you go, "Oh man, she is a total star." She yeah. she totally steals the show. But in general, I thought the show was solid. I thought it was good. Yeah. I had a. I think there was a good opportunity there for it to continue to arc in a pretty good way. I thought. Absolutely. Um, but, but yeah, was it ratings? Why did the show get canceled? Yeah, it just didn't rate very well. In the end of the day, it just didn't rate very Could well. that have been a scheduling thing the night that it was on? Yeah, look, I mean, it's possible. Uh, I think also people have a tendency to to become afraid to commit to shows that have arcs like that. Because people yank them and play around with them and then you get right. people are afraid of getting that. Again. And because you just got to commit to it every week. And if you're not watching it each and every week, then you just get lost as to what these things mean. And so those things end up being good for programmers in some respects, but it means that people get, you know... Just afraid to chime in. So anyway. I was hoping that the J.J. Juju would get it in a second season, but sadly. Yeah, he's had as many hits as he's had misses. But and I don't think there's a Juju there. That's the that's the thing. I mean, I, I think he continues to throw things at the wall and some of them stick and some of them don't. But, but you know, and he's had more luck in that kind of genre than, than the others, but. I have to say, I may have said it before, but Prime Suspect was one I was... I was initially the person saying, this is ridiculous, why are they making this? Yeah. Because I love Helen Mirren, and I feel like they should just leave that alone. But what they made was not that show. They yeah. made a totally different show Yeah. with the same named character, and she was irascible, tough as nails, all those silly things they say about women when TV, TV writers say about women. But I like her, right? I like... Uh, what's her name? The, Maria Bello. Maria Bello. I like Maria Bello. But here's Helen the Mirren thing. Yeah. I love Helen Mirren. Yeah. Uh, the Dame supporting Helen cast Mirren. was... God forbid I forget that. Um, the supporting cast was really, really good. These were all kind of good character actors you've seen in other things. There was a lot of humor. There was character development in part of the season. And they gave it a few. They advertised it heavily. But then sort of... Ba- it felt like to me like they backed away from it. It was like, you should really watch this. Okay, you're not watching it. We're going to move it. Yeah. And then they just screwed it over and didn't give it a chance. I really feel like this is something that if it gotten to a season two, it would have done well. Yeah. I re- you know, and so is my life, you know, the poor for not having it? I'm probably going to pull through. Yeah. But I really would have liked to have seen where that goes. And, and that says a lot because I was so kind of anti the idea of it. Yeah. So that, I think that says a lot about the strength of the show and some of the supporting cast on it. Yeah. Uh, another show that, that I'm not, well... Sorry to see go in one respect is Community. Yeah. Uh, and let me clarify that. So Community is a show on NBC. It's a comedy show. It's on, they've had three seasons, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it is, it has an incredibly rabid loyal fan base yeah, of which do. I am a member. Yes, of course you are. Yeah. And it's, it's very niche. It is a very sort of meta, you know, self-referential and pop cultural referential. And it has a very particular voice. And that voice is the voice of the creator and showrunner. And that's Dan Harmon. And they fired him. So they not being NBC, they being uh, Sony who's producing this. And showrunners come and go, commonly. Like, there's probably been a Blue Million Law and Order or something like that. But that's not a unique voice. And so I don't know what's going to happen in this show. I, I will actually keep watching it. I know there are people where it's dead to them and they're kind of ripping their clothes and crying. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. But the thing is, is that NBC, I think it was... It, they wanted it to be something it wasn't, right? They wanted it to be like, isn't it funny? A bunch of people end up in a community college and hilarity ensues. And yeah. they're, they're, they're a crazy character, band of characters who shouldn't come together but do. Yeah. And isn't it, you know, and, and they wanted it to be that. And it's so much more than that in a way that is incredibly rewarding. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but I watched it with, when I watch it with good friends who share my comic sensibilities, my friend, I, I had a bootleg some of it to London when I was there last year or two years ago. My friend said, I said, you're going to watch this and you're going to say, if I could write any show, this is how I'd hope it would be. And that's how it is. And that's like the highest praise in the world. Yeah, right. So, I, I mean, I love it and I know what's going to happen to it. And there's been a lot written about it that is much better than anything I could say. Google it. Especially the guys on HitFix had a lot of interesting things to say about it. But it's sort of, why keep a show going? Why not just cancel it when it's such a unique voice? What why not cancel idea, it and start another community college show? Any idea what the rationale behind it actually was? 
I think they like the cast. Right. And they, they're flipping it to Friday nights, and it has staple. Its ratings are not good, but they are stable. Yeah, right. And so I think for them, it must be reasonably affordable. Yep. Um, but I, and by all accounts, let me just say, I, I don't want to kind of deify Dan Harmon. My understanding is he's brilliant and exceptionally difficult to work with, right? He has extreme loyalists, and he has a lot of people who flamed out really quickly. Yeah, right. Working for him. It's sort of like, I mean, I've worked for people like that. It's like, if you're going to work, you're really going to work. Or if you're not, you're going to get out of there immediately, and it's going to be patently obvious, and you're going to be miserable for the you know, short tenure you have. So he is, a, he is a particular kind of flavor, and it was a particular kind of flavor show. So I think they're just trying to take something and transform it into something yeah. that they shouldn't do. They should just start over. Got it. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very concerned about that, and that's my, that was my saddest thing of the, the end of the year. My saddest summer moment. So what are we saying good riddance to? You couldn't go past Days of Our Lives with Dinosaurs, or, <laughs> yes. ter or Terra Nova as we like to call it. Citizens of 2149. We destroyed our home. The world you left behind fell victim to greed, war. We have been entrusted with a second chance to get it right. We did the right thing, didn't we? Coming here. Welcome to Terra Nova. We're starting over as a family. Get down! Welcome to paradise. Come on! Yeah, I mean, it, was, it had an excellent uh, tranquilizing effect for me. Yes, so it was like it was like sleepy time tea. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, I mean, just just a terrible show. Trenchant, dull, and mm. I was very excited about this. Huh? It's in you know, it, it had sci-fi. It had a weird kind of supernatural effect, and you know, going from the future, going from the past, from the future into the way past. Yeah, starting over an idea of repurposing, you know the. Saving the world by yeah. going back to Sir Scratch. All this and dinosaurs. All this is good. Yeah. So what happened? Uh what happened was it was a dull piece of crap. It was a dull piece of crap. And that's the trouble is that you end you have this thing whereby what's happening with the humans is like I mean it's literally like a daytime soap. Any other show. Right. Yeah. And whereas when you with poorly written dialogue Right. And flat acting. And, and there's, there's very little imperative there in no. terms of what's pushing the story forward. So you don't have this kind of very pressing arc. It's not something like a, you know, to refer back to Lost again, but where you have something that's driving this thing, the story forward every week. There's a reason for everything to happen, and there's, you know, it doesn't necessarily flow constantly from week to week, but there's always something there pressing the, the story forward. Whereas this, there's no reason for it to evolve, you know, pardon the dinosaur pun. I mean, it was just it was just one of those things where it just sat there week after week. You didn't get a great fulfillment of dinosaurs. That was all pretty, you right. know, very And they light. didn't kill. Like, I was hoping they would just come and kill a bunch of people all the time, right? Because if you live somewhere with dinosaurs and poor fencing, there'd yeah. be some of that happening. Yeah. Haven't they seen the land before time? Right. So, nothing. Uh, so, you know, to me... It's just it was, a crying shame and a missed opportunity. Well, it is in another miss for Spielberg on the television. That's right. Not since Amazing Stories has he succeeded, right? Well, he's producing, isn't he? He's been producing some of the miniseries on HBO. That's right? true. With, um, with Tom Hanks. Band of Brothers, Band of Brothers and South the Pacific. Pacific. Oh, the Pacific, sorry. Yeah. Pacific. So he did those, which are wildly successful. Yes, correct. Yeah, but his ongoing series, uh, ongoing television series, you'd have to say were a bit of a mixed bag in terms of how those things have come out. You've got Smash, which has been renewed for a second season, but I think you and I uh, think it's a pile of dribble. Would that be it, overstating it? It's an irretrievable piece of crap. <laughs> there it is. And I may watch it. I'm not saying, you know, You're going to watch the hell the, out of that piece of crap. The moral high ground is not mine, really. I'm talking to someone who's been recording NCIS for years, so I can't throw stones from my little glass house, but I that show just... It, it didn't work for me on any level. So Smash, yes, I so don't know why. Smash, I got Falling Skies, which is done okay. The Noah Wiley vehicle. Uh, no, I'm not even going to start. Um, the River, one, one season, season, one season wonder. Mm -hmm. uh, Terra Nova, which we've just been talking about. United States of Tara, which is done very well. It is it, it is finished now, but yeah, yep. that had a lot of critical success and I think fan success as well. I think it it had a bad season potentially. I think there was a patchy period, yep. from what I understand, but you know. Well reviewed and well, you know, had Diablo Cody. Who I think is a pretty good writer on that. Yeah. So that I worry a little bit that he's like attached to maybe too many things. Well, it's a very diverse kind of body. Whereas I think his work hasn't been 
super diverse in the last few years. No, I guess not. But, I mean, he's attached to so many movies right now. It so is... how, effect, how involved is he? How involved is he? What is that? I mean... Did you see Super 8? That was the, the, yes. the purported vehicle that he, uh, J. J. he produced, J.J. Abrams yep. created. Did yep. you like it? It was... I thought it was great. It was like a late 1980s, early 90s classic Spielberg movie. That same I think he was involved in that one. Yes, he, he totally was. And they, they'd always wanted to work on something together like that. And so it has, it has that whole sensibility about it. The, the kids, the, you know, things are scary, but you're not really seeing the scary things. All that kind of stuff going, going on for it, which I think is fantastic. So, uh, you know, so I, I really enjoyed it. But, um, you know, just a whole stack of stuff there in terms of what he's got coming out. So, anyway. so you think he's doing too much and he's probably not doing anything well? Like what your mom would say to you, you know, if you do too much, you can't do anything well. Yeah, I just, it's one of those things that when you say it so often, it just starts to lose all meaning, I think. That it's you like, were the producer? Yeah, well, yeah. I just, I mean, it's when you attach Spielberg's name to something five years ago, it really meant something. And maybe it still does, I, I don't know, but, yeah, Jurassic Park 4. Tintin 45, Real Tintin, Steel 2. Tintin 2 and 3, Real Steel, Real Steel 2. Uh, another Transformers sequel, which I don't think Michael Bay is directing. I think he's done. Is uh, he doing all this for really? Is he doing all this for what, like uh, civic causes, summer homes, crap loads of money, and illegitimate just children? Like what? Likes to work. No, I, th I mean I think he generally likes to make those sort of movies, and I think this is one of the things about Spielberg. He's always liked to make those sort of movies, as well as trying to make some inverted commas important films yeah. along the way. Because Saving Private Ryan or Schindler's List. You're right, exactly. You know, there's a, the War, War Horse. There's a, there's a whole bunch of those things there at, at both ends of the spectrum. And in one respect, I'm happier now that he's doing both because he went for a while there where it was all serious movies. <laughs> really, he was executive producer on Pinky and the Brain? And Animaniacs. Oh, because that was produced by um, DreamWorks Animation. And i got to give thumbs up to both of those. I loved those shows. Pinky and the Brain, one of my favorite oh. series ever. What are we doing tonight? <laughs> Same thing we do every night, planning how to take over the world. Um, that was really influential for me as a human, right? Yeah. I mean, it's shaped my journey. I really look at a lot of my my challenges as opportunities to take over the world. So It influenced my world a lot because I was a uh, young-ish editor at the Ish. time. That yeah, uh, No, actually, I was a young editor at the time. Uh, when that was released, and I remember I was in college. integrating it into uh, many a cartoon show. Uh, yeah. Anyway, long story. So he's been well, he's been in the game for a long time, yeah. And I think you're you're right. It's a mixed bag. Uh, Terranova on the low side of that. Uh, speaking of the low side, so here's a show that got just so much critical hate and contempt that I watched all season against type Ringer. So this I was I thought you were going to say the Playboy thing. Sorry. I missed, that was on what, like there were three of those maybe? Yeah. I didn't, it had some pretty people in it, boys and girls, but it just, I didn't even, it was I, you, well, blink and you missed it. As innocuous all. as Pan Am. You I only, watched one of those. Right, you only have to watch one episode of Pan Am to go, this is going nowhere. Really? This, I mean, everybody, sure, you dressed old school Pan Am style and, right. you know, but no. That could work. Well, you know what that was to me? It's like, Mad Men's working, Mad Men is working, so let's set a show in that era. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea of, they've tried a lot of things related to, you know, there's been movies about air, um, airline stewardesses back in that time, but nothing's ever really worked. Yeah. So, they try, they threw it at the wall again, and it did yeah. not stick. No. Sorry, uh, I interrupted. Ringer. Ringer. <laughs> this was on the CW, and it was, I was probably more the demographic, so it was well outside the CW wheelhouse. Uh, and this was, uh, she of Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame, yep. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Sarah Michelle back Gellar. in television. Yep. And what this was... <laughs> With another uh, Welshman playing uh, an American, so, uh, you know, carrying on the grand tradition of we can't find an, <laughs> an attractive American, American cat, yeah. got a cat, like some standing, I see them all the time, standing in the street in New York. Uh, so this is so about, a, it's, an, it's an infinitely relatable story about a girl, a twin girl with a dark past who tries to, um, tries to make peace, sort of like working the steps, tries to make peace with her sister who really turns out to kind of be her evil twin, and her evil twin sort of fakes her own death, and the sister who is with the dark past is sort of on the lamb, and so as anyone would do, she takes her sister's place. 
Naturally. Well, it's, I mean, that's the thing is that everybody can relate to this story, right? Everybody has a twin sister. Everybody has a lot of faith and a lot of people trying to kill you. Yeah. It's unclear which of the sisters are trying to kill. So it was ridiculous. Like it was the soapiest of soaps. I mean, it was all, you know, you imagine people going comas and, and actually have evil twins. So, but I kind of liked it. I feel like the, it wasn't a good show and it got so it kind of red herring, red herring, red herring, red herring and so over the top. Yeah. It was, you needed like a uh, sort of people needing capes and kind of going, wow. <laughs> At some point, I mean, it almost got to that. The villainy level was ridiculous. It had some fun reveals, and I thought it had potential, but it just arced into insanity and not in a kind of fun way, more in a sort of traffic accident way. Yeah, right. Really quickly. And yet, I watched the entire season, was kind of rooting for it to get renewed. So I'm a glutton for punishment. But I will give that my own little sort of, I'm ashamed to say, in memoriam. Really? Yeah. You're going to give it a masochistic seven? If you, if you like self-inflicting punishment. Because it wasn't even the summer, so I have no grounds no to excuse. stand on. No, I don't even know. I, for shame, for shame. Um, so yeah, bringing shame upon my village. I don't. For me, it was like one of those really ridiculous guilty pleasures. Mm -hmm. I remember I saw the first episode of it, and I thought it was really good. And I actually heard, I think David being Cooley is a great TV critic, say the same thing. Yeah. It, it really did. They set it up so it could have worked well, but it just descended into madness. Uh, but I will kind of miss that. I don't know why. I have no good. Um, I have nothing good to say for myself. But I will kind of miss that show. So I was going to ask you. Here. I was going to ask you how you sleep at night, but then I remembered you guys yeah, sleep at night. So. They did this great thing. That, oh, they did what I love on TV where they have to hide the pregnancy. She was pregnant on it, and then they started like, "I'm just holding a pillow," and they made fun of that on Thirty Rock, where uh, Elizabeth's character was holding a ham on a platter <laughs> or something ridiculous. She's supposed to be a newscaster. It's like they did that same thing where you're you're seeing all of a sudden it's like you know always standing behind something about yay high. So I was enjoying that because I spent like. There were about three episodes like, is she is she pregnant? Googling Sarah Michelle Gellar pregnant. Embarrassing in and of itself that I Google that. And then yeah, yeah, she's full on pregnant and they hide it. So I love I love that when the people are pregnant on TV and then they sort of suddenly get a job in kind of Cuba for three months. Nice. And it is the end of CSI Miami. Oh, sunglasses. I can't believe that's true. It sounds like it. Well, one of the CSIs uh, we're gonna go, right? Mm -hmm. There are forty seven of them. So. Yep. And there's no way you were losing CSI I, Alabama. Yeah, CSI Little Rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, CSI Miami thought, and I'm surprised. I mean, I perhaps quite expensive to make. I mean, is this expensive television? You know Yes, more. it is. It's expensive television to make. I mean, they're spending millions. All the breasts. Millions the fake breasts. Well, yeah, exactly. And the replacement sunglasses. Hair dye. Hair dye. Um, and he gets paid by the consternation look. You know, in terms of every time he looks at people with that sort of just vaguely disapproving look, that uh, that costs money. So yeah, I mean it is expensive television to make, <coughs> but you know it's been how many series have we? How many seasons of CSI Miami have we had? Four hundred and seven, I believe. It's it's, it's, it's had a pretty good shake. Ten seasons. Right, for something that shouldn't have lasted one season. You can kind of say that about all of those. I like the original series of CSI. Which one is that? That's the Las uh, Vegas. That's amazing. Yeah, well, William Peterson is a pretty good actor, and yep. he was decent, and he's off of it now. Who is the... They had Larry Fishburne, uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne Fish for a Fishburne? season, and now... Is that the one that has uh, Ted oh, Danson? Oh, Ted Danson. Yes, it is. It's that one. You're absolutely right. It is. CSI New York is the Gary Sinise. Mm -hmm. And that's a decent show. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't... I, I who watch procedurals do not watch the CSI franchise. Inexplicable. I feel like the, the CSI in New York is a bit of a hole for Gary Sinise. It's like he's a pretty good actor and he's ended up in a place which... What's just, a guy like you doing? To play yeah, yeah, I just don't think, you know, whereas at least, you know, CSI Miami, I completely understand how he ended up on there. Oh, um, Horatio. <laughs> he's a tragic, tragic individual. But I am thinking, like we were talking earlier, we feel like if Dallas doesn't work out, that Larry Hagman's eyebrows and those sunglasses could really uh, well, get They'll have a spin-off. Yeah. There's no two ways about now, it. Now, I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> oh, goodness. And I did see an episode of Dallas, inexplicably, but yeah. I have no memory at all. I like, sort of blacked out while I watched it. It made absolutely no impression, apart from the fact that Sue Ellen has had fabulous work done. I know we talked about it in preview. Have we talked about um, the newsroom since we've actually been watching the series? No, we talked about how ecstatically excited we were for it to happen. So... What do you give? What, what's your What's your take on it? Well, let me let me be straight here. I, I know you would have Aaron talk with his babies, but have, let's get past that for a minute. 
I have that project in development. Um, he's so smart and they just banter all the time. They have twins that could just sit in a corner and be... Well, they could walk and talk together. Just walk and talk. Uh, so... I don't have HBO because I'm thrifty and I just won't do it because I feel like I give all my money to Time Warner. I'm probably going to relent. Um, this was I was going to, and then I call, I, I decided I hated Time Warner, almost lost my sanity over it. Uh, tried to get a deal, didn't lost. manage to get a deal. <laughs> the the last t- little um, tatters that I have. Yep. I really made a stink with them about a problem to the point where I ended up with a four-man crew on a Friday night. And if you know what it's like in New York to kind of get Time Warner service. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, you know, kind of um, hitting the lotto. Yeah. I mean, at one point I'm sitting at my desk. There's one guy beside me and two on the window outside and one somewhere behind up on a tree. There's nothing like that. And I, so one of the guys Were they singing like, YMCA? I feel like that should have been. Some there was an Indian. Dinner and a show? There was an Indian. <laughs> It was fantastic. And the guy goes, did you call someone? I'm like, oh, I called everyone. I took to the Twitter. <laughs> I let him have it. I didn't have it. I didn't have cable for like a month. It's a, I don't live in the middle of nowhere. I live in Brooklyn. So anyway, I, I, could, I could have my own little spinoff podcast where I just bitch about Time Warner and in the service industry to haul. But suffice it to say, I don't have HBO. They, they actually made inexplicably genera- generous effort in that they made the pilot free for everybody. And I did yes. watch that, and I, I kind of loved it. Yeah. I know that he has his flaws, and people have, you know, they don't like the way he names characters. They don't like the way he writes women. I don't know. What he's selling, I'm kind of buying. Yeah. So what about you? I yeah. heard I heard it rip, rapidly fell off from episode one. Look, I, I, think episode, I think episode two is not as good as episode one, but I think... Um, Episodes three and four build from from there in terms of, I mean, it was always going to be hard to compete with episode one in terms of the way in which it had been engineered and the you know the opening fifteen minutes, whereas this fantastic monologue from him, which I think we previewed when we were, um, but just hilarious, funny, poignant, all those sort of sorts of things. Um, I. My only problem with the show is that I don't like the way it's shot. I know it's a stupid sort of production thing to say, but I love the way it's written. I love the basic rhythm and pacing of the show. But they've Which is sh- very Sorkin. Right. But they've shot it in a very non-West Wing kind of way. So West Wing is very stylized, with a lot of mood lighting. And I understand this is a newsroom, but they've shot it very... The, the coverage is very pedestrian. It's very, uh, let's keep it a sort of um, documentary, not not full-on documentary, documentary sort of, sort of style, but it is shot in a very uh, non-artistic way, which I always find annoying. Well, I've heard him, inter- I heard him interviewed on NPR, uh, and he talked about the fact that he knew that he was kind of weak on action scenes. Like, you know, he didn't... Action was not a part of his world. It was just sort of talking. It's like mammoth, you know, and that he, he did, what he did was by doing walking and talking, he got some motion yeah, to right. things. Are they doing that in this? Look, they are. Or is it just I, very still? No, I mean, there, there is, there is some of that sort of stuff. Probably not as much as there was in West Wing where, you know, there's just an inordinate amount of walking and talking at any one moment in time. I feel like there'd be an internal audit item about all that walking and talking in the White House. Surely you can't just walk around talking about matters of state. <laughs> It, well, you can. It's on television. It must be true. Of course. Um, and uh, and Sorkin said it so, so it must be. That's the level of discourse that's happening in, in the White House in any given administration, I'm certain. You wish. Um, wouldn't that be nice? The um, That's why I like him. He's sort of idealistic. Yeah, look, there is a bit of that, and I think some people find the sort of, the sort of idealism of it. Of him in general, a little difficult to take. It's but, a little bit like Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Like yeah. I feel like that's his tone. Yeah. And I think people think he's trying to be real life, and I don't think he is. Yeah, but you know, I think the series is good. I think it's strong. I think it's, yeah, I think it's evolving and, and improving. Um, so yeah, well worth a watch if you're if you're into the into the Sorkin. You're not in the HBO ghetto like I am with nothing. Yeah, well, what are we going to do about you? I know something's got to change. If anyone wants to sponsor my HBO membership. <laughs> Uh, feel free. I, I could even show Homeland is on Showtime, which I've seen three or four of, and I really want to see that when that comes back. So I need to get on that. And 
Do you know anything about the way the contracts work with HBO in the fact that nothing is on streaming on Netflix, even if it's a million years old on HBO? Yeah, they just don't do them. Bastards. They just, they, they've never felt the need to make those deals, so you can get onto HBO Go, you can... If you have HBO, you can do HBO Go, right? Right. Um, and I would think on iTunes you can buy HBO seasons, yeah. right? For Exactly right. So it's all about just controlling their content, and they just don't feel the need to... But like the Sopranos is the, over. Why not? Let it go. Portals. I guess because people are probably still buying it on download, so and they're probably getting more money out of those things than they are out of... Um, licensing it to Netflix. Or I feel like my one-woman campaign to say that's BS and not to buy it is not really working. Well, I'm, you, I'm taking a stand, people. you got to know that right. they've crunched the numbers on it and figured out exactly where, they're, where they think the value in keeping it. It's, it's like the Disney thing, right? So Disney, for their main tentpole movies, they release them in the cinemas, they release them on DVD, they hold them in the marketplace for just under a year, and, and they pull and, them. And then they pull them. They go into the vault for 10 years. Yeah. That's their thing. And then they re-release with and fanfare. They, and then they release it with anniversary fanfare. Anniversary edition. It would be an anniversary edition, possibly now in 3D or with extra added you know, goodness. The and one where Dro- Dopey drops an F-bomb as an outtake. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and that's that's the way they control their the value of the content that they have. They just limit supply and demand. And... Uh, but how do you get away with I mean, the market has changed. The consumption model has changed radically, right? How are they getting... Why, why do they get to get away with not adhering to that? Because they choose not to. I mean, like the CBS. Like, CBS is super mainstream, and they're, like, they're straight down the middle in the program, super safe. Yeah. They're, like, you know, they're, just, they're doing the equivalent of that, like, playing a game that nobody else gets to play, and I don't know how they get to do it. Well, I, I think the, the answer is there's no gun at their head to make them do it. So there's no... The only reason for them to do it on any sort of distribution channel is money, right? They don't need the exposure because they've already paid for their content. They've already had it be wildly successful. They've already sold a bunch of downloads and DVDs and those sorts of things. But if you stream your series, so if The Wire was available on streaming, I would watch it Mm -hmm. immediately. I would probably buy it. And seeing how good it is might make me greedy to watch the next thing in real time and then to subscribe. I think it could drive revenue for them. Maybe. I mean, I can understand maybe being a little bit, like, a little more stingy with the properties that are current. Yep. Most, I mean, the, the answer is that most people are pretty stingy about those things. So that if they're not prepared to pay the money for HBO on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, what you get... <laughs> this girl. This girl. Um, what you get is people who want to see those things on Hulu... And they will wait until those suckers come on Hulu. Until... I don't think they ever will, though. You'll right. get them one DVD at a time from Netflix. But this is this is what I'm saying, is that if you if you yeah. make the offering available to them, or they know they're going to become available to them, they'll just sit there and they'll just wait for those suckers. They're the same people who waited for season four of Breaking Bad rather than spending 20 bucks to buy season four from iTunes. They just wait and wait and wait. They're eminently patient. So they're not the person that needs to see something immediately. Right. Um, they don't want the wa- they don't care about the water cooler talk. No, and I mean they or care. The they, they just don't care enough to want to spend money on it. Now, if you can rip it off somewhere or download it illegally, then that's a whole other thing. Um, I have my morals, sir. Obviously, we would not condone that. And I, I, I you know, being in the business. Send me your. HBO Go password at the Overshare <laughs> Podcast at gmail.com. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, so, I mean, that's. You have to be in a very, very, very strong place, though, for that to make sense for you. And that's why you only see people like HBO, like Disney, controlling their content in a very, very, very defined way. Now, Disney get around it in a certain degree, they release a whole swathe of movies. And only the very select few end up being revolt movies. And the rest of them, they just, you know... 12, I can get the fox and the hound anytime. Right. right. And the 12... That's important. You know, sequels to, you know, direct-to-DVD sequels for whatever it happens Aladdin. to be. Aladdin. Right. Uh, all of which were terrible. Um, so, you know, that's just, that's just the joys of being them. Supply and demand.
Are you watching anything else on HBO? Did you watch Girls? That was another biggie. I did not. The last thing I really watched on there was Game of Thrones, and that was... Yeah. Loving it? Yeah, great series. Reading the books? Uh, no, not reading the books. Uh, not enough spare I'm like time. everyone on the train. Yeah. I, I'm always next to some dude or some girl with a giant That's why I need to go to work on the end of a train ride, because I just don't have time to do those things. The, um, the words. Yeah, Game of Thrones is fantastic. Uh, this is what I hear. I, I didn't think such a thing was possible. Too much nudity, but apart from <laughs> that, but just, I mean, unnecessary. Why is that strange girl walking fully buck naked through the back of the scene? No real reason. Because can't, she can. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but apart from that... You should have a little sign, like, it's cable bitches <laughs> walking around behind. <laughs> That's exactly what you're looking for, right there. Is that the? Uh, but a really, really Jesse Pinkman. Re- re- yeah, a really strong series, uh, which is coming back again. Uh, oh, almost a year from now, I think. I hear a lot of interviews on write, uh, writer, screenwriters, or TV writer panel, and it's always, "What are you watching? Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones." Yeah. Those two, almost, uh, you know, to a man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, really strong. I mean, amazing quality for. For television series, uh, they are and genre series, with, yep. yeah, done well, yeah, done exceptionally well. That's something I definitely want to check out. I've been told by my my nerdy uh, steering committee, yeah, that I really need to to get the books. So I had book one on the Kindle because they did the whole you got to read the books before you watch the movie, you know, watch the TV series. I don't know if I'm going to go all kind of down the rabbit hole on that, yeah, but perhaps. That's something to keep an eye on. And Homeland, I hear, I saw the first four. Fantastic show. Yeah. So that'll be coming back, and I'll be looking for that. I think both of those shows are, are really great examples of, and we talked a little bit about it. When was it last week? Week before. Um, the advantage of having a defined series limit to your, you know, in terms of the, we know this is a five-season arc. That's what we're doing with this, or it's a four-season arc. That's what it'll be. Assuming that it rates along yeah. the way, that's what it's going to be. Let's not turn this into a, you know, try and drag this thing out. or run for years and years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I think I think those sorts of series really benefit from, from that. And they don't have the stress of, I mean, think about how long it seems now to have a 23-episode or 20-episode season. Right? That, that's the standard network, at least for the one hours, right? You're talking about, like, 20-season yep. episodes. That's a ton of television this season, yep. as opposed to, you know, USA, you're doing what? Ten episodes, twelve no. episodes. I mean, Slight feels like it's six episodes a season. I can't keep yeah, up because yeah. they split seasons sometimes. Oh, uh, really short seasons. It's like it's on for a hot second and then it's gone. Yeah. So um, that must be a nice model to deal with as well. And any what you hear is much more of a kind of author model in in cable as well. So people love to work with cable in general. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about every network, but you hear people. I hear that a lot and read interviews where people are saying, "I'll never go back to network because of the constraints and the notes and the whatever." You know, they have more of that kind of model where it's like we trust you we're going to work with you and let, let you run with this a little bit yeah totally and it's the thing that we'll see i think cable continue to rise and rise as a as a force in the in the television world that will probably end up displacing network, network you know eventually for that exact same reason you find people this is the irony of the of the network television thing is you find good people you employ them you bring in the best people and then you tell them what to do a lot you know you you're having them report to a series of, you know, 10 or 12 different executives all with their own foibles and, you know, idiosyncrasies and all that sort of stuff going on. And what you end up with is a show that they made and yet went back. So it's, it's and look, it's like working with any, any place. And they focus where, group it to death, right? Right. But, I mean, even without the focus grouping it to death, you've got so many executives that you're reporting to. It's like a focus group and all of them have their own things and you end up with, you know, it's just it's just too many fingers in in the pie, whereas you go to cable and they're much less you know at the right place they're much less like it's like well we've got you here you know Louis C.K. we've got you you do this thing we love you so we're just going to leave it with you you do whatever you do yeah. and unless well we his miss, thing was if you if you don't spend more than X amount yeah. uh, you can do what you want basically right. and unless we see a train wreck as long as you know people continue to enjoy it we'll let you do whatever it is that you do. 
tragic story right now that's coming from Los Angeles. Tony Scott, the British-born director of Top Gun and other Hollywood blockbusters, has jumped to his death from a bridge. Now, Scott reportedly left a suicide note in his car parked on the bridge. In addition to Top Gun, he also directed Days of Thunder, Beverly Hills Cop 2, and Crimson Tide, among many others. Scott was the younger brother of fellow director Ridley Scott. He was 68 years old. So I guess any uh, focus on In Memoriam wouldn't be complete uh, given the week that we've just had uh, without a, a brief reflection on the sad and tragic loss of director Tony Scott, director slash producer slash uh, man about town Tony Scott, uh, brother of Ridley Scott, uh, who a lot of people would be familiar with. I don't know whether people are always quite so familiar with Tony. Um, they're both uh, brothers, um, or four brothers I think in total. Um, and uh, they are Scott Free Productions. So most of the producing that you see from Ridley and Tony comes out of uh, Scott Free Productions. And that is a film uh, first and foremost in terms of what it does. But they've also had some pretty good successes television-wise as well. Uh, numbers is one of the things that comes to mind TV-wise. The Good Wife. The Good Wife. And they're about to have a, a miniseries, Coma, right. which is coming out Labor Day weekend. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, for those of you who are not aware, I wouldn't imagine there are too many of you. Uh, sadly, Tony, uh, last weekend, uh, saw fit to end his life prematurely by uh, helping himself off a bridge. Um, and the cause behind that is still completely unclear to us. And um, I'm not going to reflect on it too much because it would all be purely conjecture. And there's been a whole bunch of that around. Um, however, I will say that I think it's incredibly sad that somebody that's as successful as he... Well, it's sad that anybody would mm. get to a place where they feel like they either A, have nobody to talk to, or B, have no better option than to, than to take their own lives, considering he had a wife and children and all those sorts of things. Um, but, you know, in the face of a, a very successful career... Uh, which continued to go from strength to strength, as far as uh, we can see from the outside... Very sad. Um, you know, that having been said, uh, some amazing movies, things that are very much in my uh, pantheon of, you know, movies that formed, you know, we talk about movies that formed our sensibilities, yeah. you know, how we got the way we were. You know, Top Gun, sadly, is one of those movies for me. True romance for me. True romance, there you go. Um, that tells you a lot. <laughs> it certainly does tell you a lot. The um, Man on Fire... Uh, have you seen Man on Fire? I did not. He's had many collaborations with Denzel Washington. He and right? Denzel obviously, you know, obviously like working with one another. Man on Fire, really great movie. Um, and, and there's, a, I mean, there's a whole string of yeah. films in there. Uh, a lot of movies late eighties, early nineties, um, big action flicks. Tony had a very particular style to the movies that he directed specifically um, that you would see come up pretty regularly uh, in terms of quite a particular visual style of panning and flashing and whizzing and banging and those sorts of things, which some people liked and some people didn't like. Yeah. Uh, I think the last thing I saw it in was uh, Unstoppable, the train movie. Yeah. Snakes on a train. Um, no, there were no snakes. Um, and the movie was the poorer for it. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Um, and even though it had Denzel in it, it didn't have Samuel L. Jackson saying, get these m and snakes off this m and train. Um, however, Again, the poor for the it. The poor for it. Uh, but, um, but a good movie, a strong yeah. movie. Again, all those it's sort like of... It's like a bombastic style, wasn't it? Like, yeah, a little hard to describe, but very Tony Scott. And he was yeah. doing it before anybody else was, and now it's one of those things He was that doing you... it before Bruckheimer was. Right. Exactly right. Well, I mean, and he did um, Top Gun for Bruckheimer, a Bruckheimer Simpson uh, film uh, before... Don Simpson also left us. Yeah. Um, Enemy of the State, which I thought was a great movie. Fantastic movie. Really enjoyed it. Uh, it, was, it was a great action movie. It was very smart, too. Yep. Gene Hackman. Mm -hmm. Great movie. whole string of movies in there that, um, that really... You know, Beverly Hills Cop 2, which I thought was a really strong contender, yeah. given how good Beverly Hills Cop 1 was. I think it was you know brave to pick it up, but did a really good job. Taking a pill in 1, 2, 3 is another... Um, Denzel movie. I need to hit his library and kind of go through some of these movies. Yeah. He did Crimson Tide too and Denzel was in that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny how those collaborations that come up and, and they just get to a stage where somebody rings up and says, hey, it's me, I'm doing another movie, do you want to be the star? Said, sure, you know, send over the details. And we are uh, waiting for that day here with bated breath. Exactly right. Kim, come here, take care of this. I, I think so. Um, however, once you've got the Nubian princess thing under control, 
I think this is all a shoe in I can't see that that won't happen anymore. Yeah, I feel it's going to happen. Yeah, so... Forget about it. So that's... It is a tragedy. There's, You know, it's hard to kind of put a button on a conversation like this because it just... You know, you don't want to be having it. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it makes... Uh, you know, hard to find sense in some of those things and we won't dwell on it too long because, hey, this is not the sort of show that we are. Um, but it is something to think about and I would thoroughly encourage you uh, drop yourself onto IMDb. We'll put a link on our um, page, is our various Facebook pages and all over the place that you can find us at these days uh, with uh, his whole filmography and well worth checking out a whole bunch of those things. And you'll see... There's at least another half dozen movies I think that he's been at work on that we'll, that we'll still see uh, over the next 12 to 18 months to 24 months depending on how those things now fare in his absence. Uh, what has been interesting, I think, um, unless you've seen otherwise, is that Ridley has been staunchly quiet about the whole thing, hasn't said, yeah. hasn't said squat, has, has kept it all very... I know he was due to fly in... Sorry, I don't know. I believe he was due to fly in like the day after or something into LA to see... Tony and that never happened obviously so all sitting pretty close to the bone right now I would imagine yeah. um, anyway that is enough uh, seriousness from us and enough for the uh, overshare this week I think we've shared way too much however there are uh, uh, if I count roughly one gajabillion ways to contact us and follow us right now would you care to elucidate yeah this is a shameless plug people so if you're listening if you're liking if you're not just you know zip it but if you are <laughs> you got a whole bag full of <laughs> right now yep uh, if you are enjoying this there are a myriad ways to hear from us more than you probably would like which is probably the same with uh, just even listening to the podcast but we are on Twitter as the Oversharers and ours are ourselves as individual human beings so the overshares are Twitter, our collective Twitter handle. Yep. My individual Twitter handle is BK Toddy for Brooklyn Toddy. Naturally. And uh, I would yours be TD Hickson. TD Hickson. A little bit on the nose, but you know whatever. <laughs> um, it wasn't TD Hickson the third. <laughs> our um, our Gmail account is the Overshare Podcast at Gmail, and you can reach us on our blog site where you can listen to this podcast. And read other things and show notes, and that is the oversharepodcast.wordpress.com. We also, as of late last night, have a Facebook page, so slap a like on that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, above all, if you could go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating. Um, I've talked to Tim, and if you are the first to rate us and it's a positive rating, you will get a cheesecake and or a reach around. We won't take which one would do it. I'm a chef. He is not, so if it's a negative, uh, you know, if it's a negative review, then Tim will make the cheesecake, I'll play Grabby. So, you know, if that's enticing, please review us. We'd love to um, to see some stars up there. It'll give Anne something to do, because she's pretty handsy as it is, and, um, you know, it's the only way we keep her off the cigarettes is, 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 up the street. is letting her touch up random strangers. So... Uh, feel free to chime in. Thank you one and all. We look forward to talking to you again next week. We've said too much. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.